गुड आफ्टरनून सर गुड आफ्टरनून वेलकम टू सेकंड वेबिनार व्हिच इज ऑर्गेनाइज्ड बाय फाउंडेशन फॉर नॉन वायलेंट अल्टरनेटिव्स इन द यूनिवर्सिटी ऑफ लद्दाख वी हैव अ पार्टिसिपेंट्स फ्रॉम टू कैंपसेस ऑफ यूनिवर्सिटी ऑफ लद्दाख वन इज बेस्ड इन ले सेकंड इज इन कारगिल the participants are uh, faculty members of political science department and and other social science department we have a uh, research scholars of political science department so i on behalf of foundation for non violent alternatives uh, and university of ladakh would like to welcome professor kondapalli uh, professor in school of international studies Jawaharlal Nehru University he is going to speak on the border western border and india china relations i welcome you sir and thank you for uh, sparing your time and uh, uh, lecturing on the very important topic so may i request you to kindly uh, kindly deliver your lecture ha uh, namaskar uh thank you very much for this uh, invite dr sonam jordan uh, greetings to the vice chancellor to the faculty members students let me also thank the foundation for non violent alternatives and specifically to ribon banerjee dar for the invite <coughs> um students at uh, students faculty members and others at the lay campus as well as kargil uh, i had an occasion to visit these places uh, and uh, wonderful memories uh, in regard to the location and uh, my interactions uh, several years ago uh, thank you for this invite uh, my presentation today has the focus on the western sector of the india china border precisely ladakh aksai chin tibet these are the main areas of uh, the border between india and china uh, previously before the people's liberation army occupied tibet in 1951 prior to that tibet was the borders with ladakh Ladakh also had a number of historical rivalries and interactions i was just trying to introduce the topic of the western sector of the border by saying that ladakh had historical relations with tibet some conflictual some in cooperative manner the 1862 war between ladakh and tibet was the most um, crucial one uh, we have also had historically links between the zorawar singh's empire that extended up to um, the eastern northeastern portions of aksai chin where haji langar was the main outpost today haji langar is in aksai chin and uh, after the 
British try to British Indian government try to make an arrangement for the territorial dispute resolution between British Indian Empire and Tibet Qing dynasty <clears throat> those efforts were not able to really succeed and then subsequently despite <clears throat> in the chini bye bye syndrome of 1954 we have had a conflict in 1962 over a period of time we had a freeze in the relations that ladakh enjoyed for centuries in terms of trade caravans buddhism spread and other interactions these were shut down after 1962 till we recently began interacting in the 1980s however the galwan incident resulted once again a freeze in this area so this is the brief snapshot of the western sector in india china relations um why western sector or specifically ladakh um all of you have expertise in this field so let me only highlight a few points here number 1 is the geo strategic location of ladakh it had access to important trade routes connecting india to central asia and china for centuries the region also served as a gateway to siachen glacier which is the highest battlefield in the world as you know since 1980s indian army has been in control of the siachen glacier and from dbo this route goes up to the highest battlefield ladakh shares borders with china and pakistan it is a militarily sensitive region given the conflict with these two countries but ladakh is rich in mineral resources natural resources including water solar energy in addition to its talented people the gross domestic product of the state or the ladakh union territory before that it was part of the jammu and kashmir state it was about 143750 crore rupees which is roughly about 20 billion dollars in gdp figures for 2019-20 after ladakh became union territory there is a lot of infrastructure tourism and investments in renewable energy solar and the central government has suggested that this region would become carbon neutral in the coming years ladakh received nearly 3 lakh tourists in 2019 which is a growth rate of around 17% from 2018 2019 figures 
So tourism is picking up. It is creating a lot of jobs and income for the local people. In terms of renewable energy, Ladakh has 29 megawatts. This includes 24 megawatts of solar power alone. That's about 90%. And about 5 megawatts of wind power energy. And the central government had announced plans to increase the renewable energy capacity to 7,500 megawatts by 2025. That is from 30 megawatts to 7,500 megawatts. So quite a substantial uh, increase in the next three years in Ladakh. Um, that is the profile of Ladakh. And unfortunately, in the previous period, Ladakh and its international relations have been shut down after the Chinese unleashed the 1962 campaign. Um, China went to war in 62 with two objectives. One is that India had provided refuge to the Dalai Lama in 1959. And so, according to the Chinese, intervened in the internal affairs of China. The second is the Nehru administration practiced a forward policy of setting up 120 outposts. Roughly about 80 of these, majority of these, is in the Ladakh sector, Eastern Ladakh. So these two reasons were said by Mao Zedong in September 1962 to unleash the campaign against India. Although China itself carried forward the forward policy of building the 1954 to 57, the Karakoram Highway, which was constructed during this period despite the Indian objections. In 1962, we did not see Chinese attacking Chushul village, which is predominantly Buddhist. They also did not cross the Daulat Beg Oldi sector. And we saw the Chinese announcing a ceasefire quickly in this region. Um, so 62 war had frozen the bilateral relations, <clears throat> most important also Ladakh's interactions with the outside world. The 18th Army of the PLA entered Xinjiang and then to through Aksai Chin into Tibet through Tachianlu and Amdo, which is Qinghai. From there, they entered through Aksai Chin to Lhasa, where they positioned about 60,000 troops. So this was crucial in terms of the Chinese 
proximity to Ladakh through Aksai Chin region. China mobilized 80,000 troops, while India mobilized only 12,000 troops. And this is one of the main reasons for the victory of China, even though 3,968 PLA soldiers were captured by the Indian side. 1,300 Indian soldiers were killed in the whole campaign and uh, nearly 4,000 PLA soldiers were captured. The next item that I would like to mention is Ladakh used to be part of the Jammu and Kashmir. And when Zorawar Singh united Jammu and Kashmir and Ladakh, it was 2,22,000 square kilometers, out of which 78,000 square kilometers, or roughly about 35% of the then JNK, came under the Pakistani Rangers and Pakistan occupied Kashmir, of which the Pakistani side handed over Jammu and Kashmir territory, that is Agil, Shimshal, Ruksam, and Sakshgam, which is roughly about six to 7,000 square kilometers in addition to 38,000 square kilometers of Aksai Chin. So this region constitute about 20% of Jammu and Kashmir that was transferred to China by Pakistan of Jammu and Kashmir. These areas include the Ladakh territories of Aksai Chin. Currently, India has about 1 lakh 942 square kilometers of Jammu and Kashmir and Ladakh, which is about 45%. So in other words, Pakistan is in control of 35% of Jammu and Kashmir and Ladakh, while China is in control of nearly 20% of Jammu and Kashmir and Ladakh. So together, they constitute about 50 55% while in India we have just about 45% of the erstwhile Zorawar Singh's 2,22,000 square kilometers of territory of this whole region. So in other words, Ladakh constituted 69.60% of the erstwhile Jammu and Kashmir state prior to 2019. So that is roughly the calculation. Let us look at China's position on Kashmir, Jammu and Kashmir and Ladakh. In 1960s, Chinese foreign policy suggested to self-determination or observing the United Nations resolution on the plebiscite in the Kashmir Valley. However, after the left-oriented foreign policy shifted towards pragmatism, in 1980s, Deng Xiaoping mentioned that Ladakh, Kashmir issue 
is a bilateral issue between India and Pakistan. In 1989, Premier Lee Pang suggested that the resolution for Kashmir issue should be based on Panchil principles and friendly consultations. This position um, has been stri slightly tweaked in the 1990s, saying that the resolution of Kashmir should be based on Shimla Pact or respect for the line of control between India and Pakistan. China took this position because China was at the time carrying forward the reform and opening up policies and it didn't want any skirmish on its western borders. However, today China has grown to become the second largest economy in the world and it is increasingly interfering in this region. In 2009, for example, China began issuing staple visas and began for the Kashmiri residents and also began investments in POK, Pakistan Occupied Kashmir. It began also some Chinese people began also calling support to government in exile, creation of a government in exile based on JKLF, Jammu and Kashmir Liberation Front. Yasin Malik and others were invited to China. However, nothing really happened of that. So China at this time is willing to interfere by even toying with the idea of a government in exile. For example, a Han Foundation, which is a party state, Communist Party state foundation, once invited JKLF leaders to China. Of course, that did not happen. So it indicates that the idea has not been really found supporters in Jammu and Kashmir. India and China have territorial dispute resolution talks. I will just explain that aspect in a while. However, when the Indian side tried to nudge the Chinese on the western sector of the border, no discussion ever took place in the recent times. This is complicated with China beginning the China-Pakistan Economic Corridor in 2013 and more concretely in 2014. The 370 article was removed in August 2019 China began taking up the issue to the United Nations Security Council for informal talks in 2019 and 2020. However, United States, Russia, UK and France did not agree with China on raising the Kashmir issue. So it fizzled out in the three informal talks there was no support for the Chinese among the permanent four in the Security Council. However, 
the issue still continues as a major irritant in the India-China relations. Also, let me provide a little bit more background to this. China had occupied Sakshgam Valley, which is part of the Jammu and Kashmir and Ladakh region. This was transferred by Pakistan in 1963. While China-Pakistan Agreement of 1963 March, Article 6, suggests to reopening the provisions on this aspect on Sakshgam Valley and Kashmir's rights. <clears throat> Nevertheless, China had abrogated this position recently. In recent times, in order to protect the CPEC projects, China-Pakistan Economic Corridor, it is reported that China had deployed 36,000 Chinese security guards. Possibly these are People's Liberation Army soldiers, but these are called as security guards in order to protect these from the terrorists. As you know, Two years ago, at Dasu Hydroelectricity Dam project, the terrorists in Pakistan killed 11 Chinese engineers, workers, and also in Karachi, in Baluchistan, or in other regions in Pakistan. There is also the issue of northern areas, Kilgit and Baltistan, which were occupied by the Pakistanis, cutting off Ladakh's contacts with Afghanistan, Central Asia. So this has constrained Indian maneuverability in relation to the Central Asian region. However, today there is Gilgit Baltistan United Movement and Manzur Parwana, the chairperson of this movement, suggested that China, Pakistan had actually handed over 19,360 square kilometers of Gilgit Baltistan to China. These include Agil, Shimshal, Raskam and Sakshgam valleys, where thousands of Chinese troops are stationed. China is also constructing well-off society villages in this region, in addition to providing support to Pakistan in the CPEC projects. For example, the Amar Basha Dam is being constructed at $12.6 billion by China's Three Gorges Project Corporation. There is also the Neelam Jilam hydroelectricity project in POK. This aims to divert the Neelam River through a tunnel into Jilam River. I just mentioned about the Dasu hydroelectricity project. This is being built at $7.8 billion. Now, then there is the Fandar hydroelectricity project at a cost of $70 million. Bashu, Harpo, Yulbo, 
and Mangla Dam are other electricity projects that China is undertaking in this region. In order to protect these investments, China is mobilizing security guards. So all of you have seen the PIB map of Ladakh Union Territory and Jammu and Kashmir Union Territory. Uh, the in 2019, November 2019. So Ladakh today includes Gilgit, Gilgit Wazarat, Chilhas, tribal territory of 1947, in addition to Leh and Ladakh districts of 1947, after carving out the Kargil district. Nevertheless, China had opposed the Indian move and since then planned the Galwan incident. China has also, as I mentioned before, raised the Kashmir issue in the Security Council on August 16th, 2019, December 19, 2019, and on January 16, 2020. China's argument basically is that, as we saw before, the Security Council had passed a resolution for plebiscite. However, China was not a member of the Security Council at the time. The People's Republic of China entered the UNSC in 1971. However, China has been raising this issue on plebiscite, even though it is not a member. Republic of China on Taiwan was a member of the Security Council in 1948 when the Security Council Resolution Number 47 was passed in April 21, 1948. People's Republic of China was not even born by this time. Even after it was born in, in October 1949, China had been, has not been a member of the United Nations till 1971. So China did not had a local standi, yet it took the Kashmir issue to the Security Council in 2019. However, what is important is the resolution number 47 many of the students from University of Ladakh will be doing their PhDs. I would suggest some of the students to go back to the roots. Article 1, for example, of this number 47 resolution passed in 1948 says to secure the withdrawal from the state of Jammu and Kashmir of tribesmen and Pakistani nationals not normally resident therein who have entered the state for purposeful for purposes of fighting and to prevent any intrusion into the state of such elements and any furnishing of material aid to those fighting in the state. So that is the prerequisite. However, Pakistan today is in full occupation of the POK 
and it is rejecting the solution for kashmir it is important for us to go back to history to understand that the british imperial government was mainly concerned with the security of the far flung frontier areas northwest frontier region and northeast frontier region were established by the british indian empire in order to protect the security of the empire in these remote areas the second consideration is how to control the czarist russians advance in the central asian region and to western borders of india china areas so british indian empire deliberately encouraged settlement of chinese from 1888 in aksai chin region in order to counter the czarists finally the chinese occupied the aksai chin two schools of thought prevailed in british indian officials one is that indian borders with china in the western sector in jammu and kashmir erstwhile jammu and kashmir should be fixed with kunlun mountains or karakoram mountains so this dilemma british between british indian officials finally resulted in the chinese occupying aksai chin even though 1893 maps of xinjiang exclude aksai chin from chinese control their own maps rejected aksai chin as part of china so from the territorial dispute resolution nehru government argued for the borders being settled by customary and administrative practices while the chinese suggested that this needs to be settled even though there were gradual skirmishes brewing up in chipchap valley and other regions so despite nearly 40 years of discussions nothing really happened in terms of the territorial dispute resolution between india and china in the western sector middle sector eastern sector so when we say western sector it is 1680 kilometers long border however the entire border is not in dispute it is only in pankungso lake trig heights trigonometric heights samar lungpa demchok chushul depsang bulge and in the recent times chinese began claiming chumar area which is between ladakh and himachal pradesh and tibet in nagari prefecture so 1680 kilometers is the western sector border and this has resulted in a lot of problems for the bilateral relations so aksai chin is about 38000 square kilometers in dispute between india and china in the western sector 
besides the Sakshigam Valley, Agil, Shimshal, Ruksam, which is all about 19,000 square kilometers. So in other words, 38,000 square kilometers plus nearly 20,000 square kilometers. So the, the whole of 58,000 square kilometers is in Chinese occupation in the western sector of the border. Um, there is also the IB to LSE advance, international boundary that we had prior to 1959 to the line of actual control established after 1962 war. The Chinese have been in occupation of nearly 60,000 square kilometers, about 58,000 square kilometers. What Galwan and Pankumso incidents in 2020 reflect is China's appetite for more land increased and they started mobilizing forces in Depsang Plains, in Demchok, in other areas that is between petrol point 10 to petrol point in point 17 after the Galwan incident. So there is a lot of uh, activity that China is undertaking. But actually this is from the beginning itself. For example, um, in November 1980, there was an aircraft, Chinese aircraft intrusion in Ladakh. In May 1981, another intrusion in Ladakh by the Chinese PLA. In, on January 19, 1982, two aircraft flew over Chushul and Debson Plains. In 1982, August, China hoisted flags at Daulat Begoldi and in Chushul. Um, several PLA soldiers also crossed over in the disputed area. There were other violations during the Indian nuclear tests and during Kargil, uh, during the, the 1999 um, Kargil events, the Chinese were training the Pakistani Air Force at Skardu airfield. So the number of transgressions were pretty high in Ladakh from the PLA. Now there is also information that China's border army, they deployed fast attack craft in Pankungso Lake and also 12.7 millimeter machine guns on these boats. So China was militarizing and India responded by revamping advanced landing grounds at Nyoma, which is about 23 kilometers from the line of actual control. These have now been upgraded. All this suggests that there is trouble brewing 
between India and China in the Western sector after 1962 war. So what we have seen is the major incidents happening at, at Daulat Beg Oldi in December 2000, Depsum claims in 2013, Tumor incident in 2014 and 15. Once again, in 2017, there was the stone throwing incident in Pankungso. So between Sirijak to finger point eight to finger point four, Chinese soldiers were carrying forward infrastructure projects. It is only after the Kailash Ranges, the five peaks were reoccupied by the Indian soldiers on August 31st, 2020. It is only then they moved out of Pankungso. Now they are closer to Sirijap, beyond the Fort Kurnag. Fort Kurnag was vacated by the Indian Army Brigade in 1980s because they were called for counterinsurgency operations in Kashmir. So China saw this as an opportunity to occupy many of these areas in salami slicing tactics. But 2020, early 2020, despite the confidence building measures that we have between India and China and violating these agreements, <coughs> China sent two brigades <coughs> to occupy Pankungso from finger point eight to finger point four and beyond. The Galwan incident on June 15, 2020 night, Depson Plains and other regions. So since we are discussing Galwan and that is in the northern portions of Ladakh. <clears throat> why, this, why this incident happened? China for the first time stated that, stated instead of dispute, they started calling Galwan as their sovereign territory, not a disputed territory, which they used to call so far, but as a sovereign territory. Uh, and the parliament resolution in August 2019 has been termed as illegal by the Chinese. Even though when Tibet was reorganized in 1965, Indian government did not raise this issue because it, it thought that it was a domestic legislation. China, on the other hand, objected to the parliament resolution in 2019. China also criticized the Daulat Begoldi Darbuk Shiok Road that was built in 2018. China also started taking a higher ground by saying Galwan always belonged to China. Although they never exchanged maps with India, they never gave any document so far that Galwan belonged to China. 
So in other words, it is a unilateral trust. They also call China's position as just. Even though 20 Indian soldiers were killed in a barbaric manner by using barbed wire fencing bats and nail studded sticks. Another reason they suggest too is the CPEC security. One more reason they mention is that India is becoming closer to the United States and so China should teach a lesson to India. Forgetting for a moment that China was close to the United States from 1979 till the Trump administration tariff wars. China-US relations were so close, it used to be called as G2 by Obama. China-US relations are so close that they have 70,000 American companies working still in China even though there are just about a thousand American companies in India. China-US trade is nearly $800 billion compared to US-India bilateral ties, which are $100 billion worth. American investment in China is $700 billion compared to over $100 billion in India by the US. So, China today saying that India and US are becoming closer looks quite ridiculous because China was actually closer to the United States all along, including during Bangladesh Liberation War in 1972. So there is a number of such misleading arguments that China had put forth on the Galwan. But the most important aspect is China has militarized the whole of this region in Aksai-Chin, in Nagari prefecture, and in other regions. For example, China mobilized the 6th High Mechanized Infantry Division from Kashgar and 4th High Mechanized Infantry Division from Aksu, again from Xinjiang. China today has light tanks, type 15 tanks, type 99 main battle tanks, WZ551 armored personal carriers, and truck howitzers, multiple rocket launchers, PHL-03, surface-to-air missile batteries, FN-6, Hunchi-16, Hunchi-17, Hunchi-7A. They also mobilized the stealth fighter aircraft J-20, J-10, J-11, in addition to helicopters like Z-9, Z-20, and drones and transports, Y-9, Y-20 transport aircraft. China today is also engaged in three warfares, that is legal, media, psychological warfare. Some of you may have seen videos in People's Daily saying the soldiers in China, of China, in Aksai-Chin were being served with Kung Pao chicken 
through the drones. Forgetting for the moment that soldiering is the most essential part rather than picnicking in Aksai Chin. 69 Chinese soldiers were killed due to lack of oxygen in these regions. Not even one Indian casualty because Indian troops have been in Siachen Glacier since 1984 and they're all rotated in the high altitude warfare. So in other words, Chinese seem to be taking this issue lightly and this has created a lot of reverses for both sides, of course. Um, at one moment, the Chinese and Indian soldiers were eyeball to eyeball and they have announced 18 core commander level meetings and they have also announced the synchronized disengagement in February 2021 and phased coordinated verifiable disengagement on February 11. Nevertheless, despite 18 core commander level meetings and 23 WMCC meetings, we have not seen the Western sector, nor even other sectors of the border in tranquil situation. As of now, Indian and Chinese troops are present in the Western sector, middle sector, and in the Eastern sector. So this has been the major fallout of the Western sector and the border events. Even though we have confidence building measures since 1978, in Chushul village, in 1978, the first flag meeting took place. Subsequently, four to five border personal meetings were held every month, that is every week, once in a week. Nevertheless, there is a lot of smuggling at Dumchile or in other regions. In the western sector of the border, there are a number of roads constructed by China in the 1980s. In 50s, they built the Karakoram Highway, as I explained before. And in 67, Xinjiang to Gilgit via Mintaka Pass was constructed. In 69, Morkun to Kunjara Pass road was constructed. And in 1982, an agreement to open Kunjara to Karakoram Highway with Tibet through Aksai Chin was made with Pakistan. They also built underground defense systems in Chushul, Daulat, Beg, Oldi region. India has just woken up. India began construction soon after the Western sector became the animated version of the border dispute. So 44 strategic roads out of 68 strategic roads 
were constructed by October 2021, there is still a lot more that would be would have to be done by the Indian side. Many of you may have traveled through these regions, and this suggests that we are now improvising the infrastructure projects in the western sector as with middle and eastern sector. So let me summarize and take questions from you by saying that the Ladakh sector, western sector of the border still has about 70,000 Chinese troops, about 1,20,000 Indian troops. So these are very active and there is a lot of uh, militarization that has happened sometimes to the detriment of the people living in Aksai Chin and Ladakh. Till this issue is resolved amicably, it appears that the militarization will not stop on either side. In other words, we are now in a stage where the army is going to develop the infrastructure substantially. Of course, BRO GREF will also be part of that. But most important thing is there are also some dividends to the Western sector in this mobilization, despite loss of 20 soldiers in June 15, 2020. We may possibly see many infrastructure projects continuing. Um, you may have seen the Home Ministry uh, organizing the vibrant village campaign in different areas <clears throat> in the Western sector. So in other words, this is one where we are now witnessing. So let me stop here and take some questions. Thank you for your attention. Uh, thank you very much, Professor. Uh, it was a wonderful lecture with the detailed and insightful uh, one. And now, uh, we request all the participants to ask the professor question. So we have a uh, several questions in the box. Okay, then I will read them. Uh, I will explain. Uh, uh, yes, sir. One is, uh, uh, I think there are three or four questions in the box. One is uh, Jikmet Sangas is asking about the Tikmas Gang Treaty of 1684 in the India-China relations? And uh, there, is, there is no China at that time in 1684. Uh, yeah. It was Tibet. So this question needs to be rephrased. Uh, China was Qing dynasty and it hardly had any control over Tibet. So this is a treaty between Ladakh and Tibet. Of course, yeah, that is, is about a... three centuries ago. And we are now uh, the two republics, People's Republic and Republic of India. Yeah. Uh, there is another question. Uh, what is the impact of China's One Belt, One Road initiative on the India's border security policy? 
Yes, uh, in 2013, they initiated, China initiated the One Belt, One Road, which later on has been renamed as Belt and Road Initiative, BRI for short, from One Belt, One Road to BRI. In 2014, Chinese Premier at the time, Li Keqiang went to Islamabad and began the CPEC projects, China-Pakistan Economic Corridor, with a planned investment of $62 billion. It is said that they already invested $52 billion. So CPEC has three main projects. One is infrastructure, which includes roads, railways, expansion. For example, the Karakoram Highway, which was built in the 1950s and 1960s, this is now being expanded to 30 meters wide. So that is a huge um, refurbishment. Secondly, they plan to have a railway line, which is going to, of course, cost a lot. Um, but construction has not begun yet of the railway line. This is between Mintakapas and Kunjarab this was supposed to be cleared up first and then the project needs to be executed. But railway line has not been implemented yet. The other infrastructure project includes hydroelectricity. I just mentioned about some figures on the hydroelectricity generation. Um, the other is, uh, so one is infrastructure. Second is Gwadar port in Baluchistan, uh, which is the second phase is already over. They want to construct an enclave with 5 lakh Chinese in that area, producing for the Gulf region in terms of manufacturing. So China wants to occupy Gwadar port and an enclave of several hundred kilometers of territory. And this is possible if Pakistan is not able to repay the $52 billion invested. So in other words, Gwadar is likely to become like Hambantota in future. That is, Sri Lankan government was not able to pay back that money. And so they gave it to China for 99-year lease. The third project is the one related to many energy projects in the CPEC. So this is part of the CPEC in the Belt and Road Initiative. Um, so what is the impact on India's security? Now, China is occupying nearly 20,000 square kilometers of Indian territory. As I was mentioning, Pakistan gave up Sakshigam Valley Agil, Shimshal, Raksam, which are Indian territories according to the instrument of accession in 1947. So this land belongs to India now in the hands of China. So legally, it is incorrect for the Chinese to occupy. Uh, that is one major implication for India's border security. The second 
um, implication is China today is deploying 36,000 security guards in POK, Gilgit, Baltistan, and other regions. And this is violation of India's border security. The third implication is since 2009, India is preparing for a two-front war under nuclear threshold. So this is another implication for the border security of India. As Pakistan and China come together, so this is another implication. The fourth implication is China is building well-off society villages in POK areas. So this is another major implication. Next uh, question. Uh, so there are many, many questions. Now I'll read one of them. How do you see the India-China relations 10 years from now? This question is by Mustafa Ali. Well, it is interesting that uh, Dr. Jay Shankar, the External Affairs Minister, when meeting with the Chinese Foreign Minister Chin Kang, he stated the relations are abnormal. India-China relations today are abnormal. So we do not know whether they will be abnormal in the next 10 years because India's position is unless until peace and tranquility prevails on the border, there will not be any bilateral relations. So your question is dependent on China's response. If China tomorrow vacates the land in Debsang Plains, in Chumar, not in Chumar, in uh, Demchok, then bilateral relations may improve. If they do not, then even after 10 years, the relations will be abnormal. Uh uh, there is another question, sir, uh, from Siring Choldan. Is Galwan Valley a new issue between India and China dispute? Is China uh, taking that lightly, the India's position on Ladakh? Uh, this is a new issue because, um, as the word Galwan mentions, Galwan was one of the porters, uh, helpers, and... Uh, one of the um, direction identifiers for the British Indian Armed Forces who were passing through this region. Galwan uh, is a Ladakhi name. It's not a Chinese name, right? Uh, so this is a new issue between India and China. They never raised the Galwan issue before. Uh, as I was mentioning, the Western sector issue was never raised by them because in the territorial dispute resolution mechanism of the special representatives, they have first discussed the middle sector, second, the Western sector, and finally, they want to discuss Eastern sector. But then we had the Galwan incident happening. So is China taking lightly India's position? Yes. 
Dr. Jayshankar mentioned on June 17, 2020, two days after the Indian, 20 Indian soldiers were killed, that unless until peace and tranquility prevails on the border, there won't be any bilateral relations. So India lost 20 soldiers, including Colonel Santosh Babu of Bihar Regiment and scores of others. China announced four deaths after eight months after the June 15, 2020 incident. So they took eight months to declare four dead while four Chinese journalists were arrested because they cosigned this figure of four. Task News Agency, which used to be part of the Soviet Union and close to the Communist Party of the Soviet Union, it announced 45 deaths on the part of China. Compared to 20 Indian deaths, China lost 45, according to a Russian report. Western reports suggest 120 Chinese soldiers killed. For 20 Indian soldiers, there were 120 Chinese casualties. Although officially, China declared only four deaths. This suggests, number one, of course, they don't they don't bother about their own soldiers. But most importantly, this suggests that China is lying. Uh, so there are so many questions that I'll take one or two more questions and then we'll, uh, we'll end. So there is another question, sir. Uh, uh, it's from the Muzamil Ahmed Dar. How would India, uh, China's uh, debt uh, trap Diplomacy in India's neighborhood impact on India-China relations? Uh, that's a good question and futuristic. Um, China is giving aid to several countries as part of the Belt and Road Initiative. Even before they gave, but after Belt and Road Initiative was launched, they are giving a lot of aid unaccounted for. We do not know exactly how much under what, what conditionalities. Um, recently, one African country exposed China by releasing the MOU signed. And China was very angry and said that the provisions of BRI suggest that they should not disclose the MOU between China and the other country as part of the BRI aid. Now, the MOUs are not public. Number two, the MOUs mention a lot of high interest rates. For example, Sri Lanka owes nearly one-fourth of their debt to China. Out of $230 million, $50 million is the Chinese debt, one-fourth nearly. And China has several draconian conditionalities. That is how 
when Hambantota was built at $1.26 billion and Sri Lanka did not have money, they handed over the project for 99 years to China. Now, what happens if Pakistan is not able to repay the $52 billion invested in CPEC projects? Possibly, Pakistan will give away the whole of Gilgit-Baltistan to China. We do not know. But this is a very serious issue. Gilgit-Baltistan belongs to the Jammu and Kashmir state erstwhile the Maharaja of Jammu and Kashmir signed the instrument of accession. So China occupying these areas is illegal. So this is one implication. Second implication is after Sri Lanka defaulted in its payments to the IMF and other donors, India has to chip in and pay Sri Lanka nearly $3 billion. So if Pakistan tomorrow defaults, if other countries like Nepal, Bangladesh, Maldives, Bhutan, if they default, then the debt diplomacy means that India has to uh, alleviate these countries so this will be stressful for India in the longer run. So China's debt diplomacy will have direct implications for India's neighborhood. If your neighbor is in distress, you have to go and help them. China has no such uh, qualms, but India has to go and help them because Sri Lankans have historical cultural relations with Indians. Likewise, Nepalese, Bhutanese, Afghans, probably tomorrow Pakistan, despite the animosity we have, we may have to help Pakistanis if they are completely down. So this is the implication for India. Uh, sir, I'll take the last question. Uh, it's from Yasmin Akhtar, Kargil Campus. How do you see the current situation in the western sector of the India-China border developing in the future, near future? Uh, as I mentioned before, Dr. Jaishankar said, unless until peace and tranquility prevails, there is not going to be any bilateral relations, including in the Western sector. So I do not see any positive features unless until China implements the disengagement de-escalation process completely. But this process has not yet begun. It has begun, but not in all sectors, in all the petrol points. As I was mentioning, in Demchok, Depson Plains, it is still not yet met, the disengagement de-escalation process. So it all depends on China's response. So which means that we have to wait and see if the Chinese do not disengage, de-escalate, then things will continue at the same pace as we have now seen. 
in the last three years. Uh, with the exception that we may probably see more infrastructure coming in, dual use, military, civilian. Um, I think the roads are going to be improved. There is a new railway line coming up. <clears throat> Hopefully, we will see a railway line in Ladakh. Although it is meant to transport troops, it will also bring in the chambers of commerce. It will also bring in tourism. It will also bring in new industries, new economic activities. So let us see what is in store given the Chinese intransigence in resolving this issue. So if things continue like this, Indian central government is going to pump more resources in building roads, railways, hospitals, vibrant villages. So this is the consequence of China not addressing the disengagement, de-escalation. So that was the last question. Thank you very much, Professor Kondapali, for your detailed lecture and the detailed response. And we have many question answer in the pipeline. And it was a very detailed answer. And, and thank you all the participants for asking questions. So thank you, Professor, for giving us the time and talking to this important aspects of uh, the issue between India and China relations. So thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much.